This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Happy New Year, everyone! Uh, back at it now in 2023, the first on target of the year. Dave, I trust you had a good holiday break. Thumbs up, absolutely. Nice and restful, I hope. I like your T-shirt, by the way. Is that a Christmas uh, gift? Yeah, absolutely. He's got the Jesus, Mary, and Joseph shirt. <laughs> Uh, my husband got one of them, too, from some good friends of ours. Um, well, uh, Happy New Year, everyone. I trust that everybody did have a safe and uh, restful holiday season. Uh, most of the people I've spoken to, most of my work colleagues, all got a, a fairly good break. And, uh, you know, just to, to clear the old head and get a little bit of rest and get away from it all, so to speak. And I trust that you were able to do the same. Well, the situation facing the province's health care system dominated discussion and headlines throughout 2022. It's a, an area of uh, government that affects everyone's lives. And we thought it appropriate to start the year discussing what will no doubt continue to require the attention of government and healthcare authorities throughout 2023 and beyond. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for having me as your first guest of the New Year. There you go. Uh, the longest-sitting <laughs> MHA in Newfoundland and Labrador um, is our first guest of 2023. So I hope you did get a bit of a break. I did. It, it was, uh, you know, there were still issues to be dealt with over the uh, the Christmas break, uh, but we did get a break. It was uh, very welcome to have a time with family. And on that note, I will recognize the many healthcare professionals that while we were home enjoying uh, Christmas dinner or our time with family, we had many dedicated health professionals that were on the job ensuring that the healthcare needs of the people of the province were being met. Absolutely. Uh, many, many people working uh, very hard through the holiday season to keep everything going. Well, when it comes to uh, health care in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, the big question is where to start, I suppose. Uh, we've been talking to various unions over the last number of weeks, NAEP, the RNU, Allied Health Professionals, to name a few, about recruitment and retention in particular. And all say that the focus needs to be on retention first and recruitment second. So how are we addressing some of the serious concerns about workplace conditions that are contributing to some of our healthcare professionals just saying, you know what, I've had enough. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's a fair comment. Retention is uh, critically important in keeping our healthcare professionals, but part of retention is recruitment. If we've got healthcare professionals that are working overtime, uh, mandated overtime, double time, um, the best way to retain our healthcare professionals is to recruit additional healthcare professionals to help them lift that load, to ease the burden um, of, uh, of our healthcare professionals. Um, one of the challenges with uh, working overtime is not only the, the effects on the physical body, uh, but the mental health effects as well, uh, the burnout. So, you know, we are focused very heavily on recruitment as well as retention. 
So what uh, kind of progress are we making in that regard? Because I know a lot of announcements were made in 2022 to address uh, recruitment and retention. Uh, so are we seeing any any progress? We are seeing progress in terms of, of recruitment, for sure. Um, I know that uh, under the medical bursary program, for example, uh, we've recruited 19 uh, individuals. Under the Family Practice Program, which is its first year um, of this program, we have 23 physicians who have agreed to open a family practice in the province or join a family practice and commit to five years of return and service. Uh, so those are a couple of examples. Uh, you look at the Come Home Year incentive that uh, we announced we have over 30 individuals who have either been hired and are now working or are in the process of being hired uh, as a result of that incentive. So the the recruitment of uh, healthcare professionals is uh, very complex. It's challenging because every province in Canada and, in fact, globally are competing for healthcare professionals. Uh, we have made it a, a significant priority uh, of the uh, of this government, the premier, uh, myself, uh, there has been um, one recruitment initiative uh, in India where we've received tremendous feedback. Uh, the challenge is the immigration process and getting those individuals here. But we are in the process of working with individuals who are interested in in coming to Newfoundland and Labrador. We've got a physician a recruitment process uh, as well as nursing in Ireland uh, this month. That is, uh, you know, starting the new year uh, with with that uh, recruitment initiative. Um, there will be several other recruitment initiatives internationally. So we have focused far and wide um, across the country. Uh, as well as internationally in terms of recruitment. That is the one of the, the biggest challenges that we have to deal with uh, because it is so challenging to recruit where every other jurisdiction is, is also facing significant uh, human resource challenges within our healthcare professions. Uh, you uh, made reference to the India desk in uh, Bengaluru, and you said there's a tremendous feedback there. So how will that process work now? Um, and we know some of the challenges that we faced in terms of immigration and some of the slowdowns and the backlogs there. So how will, how will that work? If we have uh, nurses uh, in that area who want to come to Canada, who want to come to Newfoundland and Labrador and practice, um, how soon might we be able to see new nurses on the ground and working here? So I understand India, uh, you're looking at six or eight months to get nurses from India to this province. Um, I know that I've had discussions uh, with the Federal Minister of Health. Minister Byrne has had discussions uh, with his federal counterpart to try and ease the uh, the process for healthcare professionals, especially coming into Canada. Other ministers of health and other ministers responsible for immigration across the country are doing the same. Um, we want newcomers to uh, to Canada. We especially need healthcare professionals coming to Canada. Um, so that is one of the focuses. In terms of Ireland, uh, because they're um, their system is much closer to ours. You're looking at four to six months 
uh, to recruit a physician from Ireland to Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, the same thing with the UK, uh, Australia, for example. Uh, so it's, it's easier to recruit in those locations, uh, but there is great interest in other locations such as India, um, where it does take a little bit longer. Uh, but I know uh, government as a whole, uh, and especially Minister Byrne through his department, are working through the process of seeing those newcomers come to Newfoundland and Labrador. There are uh, there's a significant interest um, in Bangalore to come to this province. Uh, that's in terms of um, immigration, but how about licensing? Uh, will there be any uh, challenges that uh, some of these professionals will face in getting licensed here? So I know the College of uh, Registered Nurses, and I believe the College of uh, Practical Nurses were involved in the Bangalore mission. Um, I will say that the College of Registered Nurses, the College of Practical Nurses, the College of Physicians and Surgeons have been working with government as part of our plan um, to ease the restrictions uh, to lower the barriers without lowering the bar uh, in bringing healthcare professionals to Newfoundland and Labrador. They have been working with government. Um, it has been a very collaborative approach between the colleges and government to try and find ways to resolve the uh, human resource challenges that we see in Newfoundland and Labrador. So I'm very, very pleased with the level of collaboration with the colleges in, in trying to deal with these issues head on. I know that the College of Physicians and Surgeons, uh, as well as the College of Registered Nurses, will be present um, and, and have uh, representatives join the mission to Ireland to help recruit physicians and nurses. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne, the first guest of the year. Um, we're talking a lot about recruitment and retention, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that when we come back after the break, right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. We've been talking a little bit about uh, the healthcare system and some of the um, very dire needs in some cases out there. And uh, recruitment and retention is uh, one of the uh, topics we've just been discussing. But we've heard uh, about shortages in, in other healthcare professions like uh, respiratory therapists, radiation therapists. Uh, we mentioned nurses and doctors, of course. Where are some of the biggest needs right now? Well, obviously, nursing, uh, whether it's registered nurses or licensed practical nurses, uh, personal care attendants, uh, physicians uh, are, are some of the bigger areas. You've mentioned the respiratory therapists. Uh, it's a smaller group, but there are uh, challenges there. We've put some measures in place. Uh, you look at uh, clinical psychologists, we've put uh, uh, measures in place uh, there in terms of uh, wage stabilization, uh, market adjustments, for example. So we are looking at that in, in other uh, disciplines as well. But there are across all, uh, well, there's a labor shortage in a number of areas, whether it's uh, trades people, uh, IT, uh, or healthcare professionals. It's 
profound in, in healthcare because it does have a significant impact on everybody. We require and rely so heavily on our care professionals. The shortage uh, within our healthcare professions doesn't only affect how individuals feel about their daily work. Uh, it also um, it has an impact on, on their physical and mental health. So it's important from a physical and mental health perspective for the individuals that are carrying the load uh, that we are able to recruit additional, but also how these health professions uh, feel about their the work that they do uh, as well, and um, you know that that can have a significant impact on the delivery of healthcare. Um, so it's it's important all around. So, what are some of the underlying factors here that are leading to what seems like a mass exodus from from uh, not only the healthcare system but a lot of professions? Uh, is it entirely COVID? Is there something else happening there? Is there demographics? What 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 are some of the underlying factors? It's hard to put your finger on on any particular area. I think COVID had an impact. Uh, certainly, um, you look at the um, retirement of what we call the baby boom generation, um, and fewer people um, left to fill those positions has made it a challenge in many occupations across, uh, you know, uh, the entire economy. Like I said, people feel it far more in healthcare. Uh, there is a shortage in, in uh, IT in this province. It's it's well known, and IT companies will tell you that the the biggest challenge to their growth is the shortage of IT professionals. But we don't see that or feel it the same as we do in healthcare, because healthcare has such an impact. When we need healthcare, it has an impact on. Um, how we are able to deal with uh, the, the shortage. So it, it's particularly important, and I know uh, the Premier, Premier Fury, has put in place, for example, uh, the Health Accord NL, which was a very extensive process, uh, putting forward um, a very detailed plan to deal with tra- the transformation of healthcare in this province. Uh, part of that transformation. Um, is going from four health authorities to one. Part of that is uh, looking for efficiencies within the system. But part of it obviously has to be ensuring that we have enough health health professionals to uh, ensure an efficient operation across the province so that people have access to the health care that they need when they need it and where they need it. Are young people choosing the healthcare profession like they once did? I know some years ago there was a real push uh, through the fe- the provincial government towards uh, getting people involved in the skilled trades and uh, more power to them. Uh, absolutely, we need people in the skilled trades. But um, with with things like the skill, skilled trades, you know, you you go from one mega project to the next, and when there isn't any work, people are very mobile. They go to other places, so like Alberta, and that's where they end up staying in a lot of cases, or they do that long commute. Uh, so has there been enough of an emphasis on on getting young people, you know, involved or, or informed about uh, what the healthcare profession has to offer? 
There has been, and I can I can say that you know I am very focused on this. The premier is very focused on this. Uh, on the, you know through the, the premier's leadership, we've increased the number of medical graduate uh, seats in family practice. We've increased the number of uh, residency uh, seats for internationally trained uh, uh, physicians. We've increased the number of seats for RN uh, in our, our uh, schools in the province by 25%, an increase of 40% in practical nursing programs, um, uh, and uh, 20% for personal care attendance. So we are increasing, and, and those seats are, are filling. Um, that's a longer-term solution because people obviously need to go through these programs and get educated, get their certification um, through the colleges and get into the workforce. So that's a longer-term solution, but it is part of the plan to ensure that as we move forward, that we have the healthcare professionals in the future as well. Um, making the change that's necessary uh, takes time, and that is part of the solution for the future. The shorter-term solution is recruitment, uh, not only across the country but internationally, and raising awareness. But all of the the seats for these professions, uh, people are signing up, and these seats are filling uh, as we've increased the numbers of um, of seats available for people for these disciplines. You're the former education minister. Is there, you know, are high school students being introduced to some of these possibilities as well? That is something uh, when I was in education, and I know that the minister of education now uh, will be focused on that. But I, I remember um, in high school, we used to have uh, the recruitment fairs actually come into the high schools um, it's now more digital and, and, you know, through social media and so on. But there has been uh, a growing focus on introducing high school students to the areas where there is and will be a projected demand. Uh, for example, whether it's ECEs or personal care attendants, um, we put on a drive through high schools throughout the province for ECEs while I was there. All of these professions that uh, the seats uh, especially where seats were harder to fill. Uh, the ECE seats were, were harder to fill. We filled all of those seats for the recruitment drive. And the difference, I think, in, in healthcare, the nursing seats and the medical seats um, fill. There is interest in people entering these professions. We simply didn't have enough seats, and we've added capacity in these professions uh, to look after future need and future demand. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. And we've been talking a lot about uh, recruitment and retention uh, because that's, I guess, part of the, the issue here. Uh, how can we be more competitive in attracting healthcare professionals to the province or keeping them here? I think the in incentives that we've put in place, such as the Come Home Year incentive, um, puts us as competitive or more competitive 
than most jurisdictions across Canada. So we have done well. We've seen success with that program. As I said, we, we've recruited uh, more than 30 healthcare professionals through that program alone. Uh, there are other programs uh, that we've got uh, in place, such as the Family Practice Program, where we've recruited 23 under that program, and, and the Medical Bursary Program are recruiting 19 under that program. So we are seeing success. Um, these things take time. Uh, you put a program in place and it takes time to uh, see the, the, the fruits of that labor. But I think, you know, by and large, the uh, while we are facing the same challenges in terms of emergency department uh, closures or diversions as there are in other provinces all across Canada, um, while we're seeing the shortage of healthcare professions, um, as we see all across Canada and, and globally, people, I think, throughout the province see that this government is putting a plan in place. Um, the, the health accord, uh, the incentives that we're putting in place, uh, that Newfoundland and Labrador is a great place to live and work. And through our, our uh, recruitment um, program that we've put in place, uh, extraordinary day that we are seeing uh, successes and we are seeing communities that are starting to get family physicians that didn't have them previously. So we are starting to see the success of, of what we're putting in place. Uh, people can see that we've got a plan in place through the Health Accord NL. Uh, many of the incentives uh, or the initiatives of, of the Health Accord are already starting to be rolled out. While these things take time, um, and people want the healthcare system fixed today, uh, but I, I do believe that people see that there is a solid plan and that it's starting to come together. Uh, we are starting to recruit and seeing success of, of the uh, recruitment. We are starting to see the four health authorities go to one. Uh, we do see the Medical Act, for example, which makes it easier to recruit international physicians uh, to the province. We've had a number of um, initiatives from legislation to incentives and other initiatives put in place in 2022. Uh, we will see the, you know, continued success of those in 2023. You uh, sort of touched on it there, but right now we have uh, four regional health authorities ostensibly competing with each other for resources. Uh, some of them more successful than others. Uh, some of them have uh, had these uh, chronic problems, I suppose, with recruitment. Will, will recruitment be easier, uh, do you imagine, once the four regional health authorities merge into one? Absolutely. And you know, so part of merging the health authorities into one and, and part of that plan that we've put in place is the efficiencies, uh, the payroll department, human resources department, you know, the back office uh, functions. Part of it is procurement. Um, we have healthcare professionals in this province that if they want to locum or if they want to move from one area of the province to another, they have to train on, on different equipment because we've had four different health authorities, uh, uh, the procurement of, of uh, equipment, 
you have equipment in one health authority that is different than health uh, than equipment in another health authority. We've got information uh, systems. If you're in a hospital in Cornerbrook and you get transferred to uh, the health science complex, um, the the hospitals the two hospitals cannot communicate electronically between each other. Uh, the file has to be printed off and sent in or faxed in, uh, for example. So. Uh, making the system more efficient, giving the opportunity for uh, patients in the province to have more control of their healthcare journey. If you're scheduled in, in St. John's for a medical scan, um, once the new health information system is up and running, um, you will be able to, you're scheduled for an appointment in, in one location. You can go in, look, find out where the shortest wait list is, and choose whether or not you want to travel uh, two or three hours to another location where you can get that procedure done faster. So you have more control. So all of this is part of the plan. As I said, it takes time to mobilize all of these things, but the wheels are in motion, and this is all coming together now. Uh, part of it, as you'd asked, the recruitment, we had a, a position from Labrador um, vacationing with their family in Bonavista uh, this past summer. And because it was from one health authority, uh, needed to fill out a barrage of paperwork to work in another health authority in our own province, uh, which just did not make sense. So we, we immediately did away with that as, you know, knowing that we were coming together under one health authority. But the recruitment, we are putting together a world-class recruitment team under the Provincial Health Authority that will recruit province-wide. So we're no longer having Eastern Health competing with Labrador Grenfell for the same position or the same nurse. We will have a province-wide recruitment uh, team uh, that we are putting together. It will consist of the existing recruitment team, but new members of that team are being added now under the watch of uh, the interim CEO, Dave Diamond. Um, and uh, we've, we're in the process of hiring, uh, and we will have a world-class recruitment team that will uh, be able to go head-to-head -head with any jurisdiction globally in terms of recruitment. You mentioned the health accord, and um, by the sounds of it, Newfoundland and Labrador is well ahead of many other provinces in Canada. And I heard the Prime Minister allude to this. I know there's been this push by all of the provinces to increase federal health transfers, but the uh, Prime Minister over the Christmas holiday season basically said, look, the provinces have to get their acts in <laughs> their acts together and, and produce uh, you know, a plan that will just show that you're not throwing good money after bad, that something is in place. We have that. Uh, do you think that will bode well? Will we see an increase in federal health transfers to help address some of these huge gaps? It should bode well. And, and speaking of the health accord and the plan put in place by, by Premier Fury here, we have other health ministers, we have other jurisdictions that are looking to our health accord because we are significantly further ahead than most jurisdictions across the country in terms of planning what the future looks like. Taking a system that was designed for the healthcare needs of the 60s or 70s uh, and and modernizing it going forward and ensuring that it stays modernized. So we have, we have other jurisdictions 
looking at our health accord, looking at our plan and looking to put similar uh, plans in place in their province. Um, so that you're right, the federal government has, has looked, you know, we are well ahead. Uh, they do want provinces to put a, a, a very strategic plan in place so that we are not trying to do the same thing and get the same results. We're not putting good money after bad. We have a, a very uh, focused path forward. And as I said, you know, it, it takes time, but the wheels are in motion. We have a very focused path forward, uh, and we will see the results in this province before other provinces see results, I believe. But we do need the the enhanced uh, social transfers, health and social transfers from the provincial or the uh, federal government. And every premier of every province, every health minister of every province is pushing for that. And while I, I agree, uh, the federal government want to see a, a plan in place in every province. Um, you know, the, the part of that plan, obviously, is having the resources to put the plan in place. So we will continue to put pressure on the federal government for enhanced health uh, transfers to, to the provinces. You mentioned the wheels are in motion and uh, all of these things will take time naturally. But in the meantime, we have a system that has to keep running and and gaps that need to be filled. And just before Christmas, uh, Central Health issued an alarming release on a travel nurse who had passed herself off fraudulently, apparently, as a registered nurse and who was hired and worked in a number of shifts at Lakeside Homes in Gander. That's despite having faced some pretty serious criminal charges and being flagged by the Ontario College of Registered Nurses. How can something like that that happen? Well, that happens from time to time in, in every jurisdiction across the country where somebody with a very similar name to somebody else will use their license number uh, to, to gain employment. The system here worked while the individual did work uh, a number of shifts. The College of uh, Registered Nurses picked up on uh, the the fact that the individual wasn't properly licensed. Uh, when you when you use a license number and you get hired and and based on the license number, very similar names. Um, you know, at first glance, it looks as though the individual has a license, and but the college did uh, through their process pick up on the fact that. It wasn't uh, that the license didn't belong to that particular individual. Um, the I understand that same individual has done similar in in other jurisdictions. So it is a concern, and when you have somebody set out uh, to do that, uh, it does sometimes take time to pick up on on the discrepancy. But I do believe the CEO of Central Health, Central Health themselves, have put. Uh, additional measures in place to ensure that they're not simply leaving it up to the agency to hire and present somebody as duly licensed um, that Central Health have put the uh, processes in place to ensure that that doesn't happen again and we will look to the other health authorities to ensure that they also have the processes in place. Yes, indeed, because I was going to ask about how the uh, all of the health authorities, for that matter, um, can ensure that travel nurses and others entering the health care system to fill existing gaps are, are qualified and, and properly vetted. What role does the government have there? 
Well, I mean, it is the, through the health authorities or soon to be the one health authority, uh, the measures have to be in place to ensure that individuals are properly vetted. This particular individual was brought to uh, central health by an agency who was supposed to properly vet. Um, and unfortunately, as I said, uh, the individual set out to pass themselves off with somebody of a very similar name and, and used the license number, um, which allowed the individual to sort of pass through the process. But the process worked and it was picked up on. But we need to ensure that it's picked up on sooner than it was. Uh, the college system is there to ensure that, and that system worked. Uh, the health authorities have processes in place. When they use an agency to bring somebody to them who are supposed to properly vet, um, I think that was the gap in this particular case. Uh, but the health authority is going to ensure that if they hire directly, they do the vetting. If they use an agency, the agency is supposed to do the vetting. But the health authority is going to do that vetting themselves, uh, even with somebody hired through an agency. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And our first On Target of 2023 features Health Minister Tom Osborne. And uh, Tom, we were just talking a little bit about travel nurses and uh, one very serious incident uh, involved there. But the Nurses Union says that the use of travel nurses is actually hurting the system. I was speaking with President Yvette Coffey just before Christmas and she says... Local nurses are working alongside travel nurses who in many cases are getting paid significantly more and have much more flexible hours. So how can those gaps be in the system be addressed while ensuring that whatever method we use doesn't actually make the problem worse? The sooner we can hire enough nurses that we no longer need travel nurses, I will celebrate just as loudly as, as the president of the RNU, probably more loudly, because I agree, I, I would rather have a permanent nursing staff in this province. Uh, that is the solution. That is the answer. Um, the travel nurses uh, are in use across the country, and it is an unfortunate um, reality that they are required if we didn't have the uh, the use of travel nurses we wouldn't have had the flexibility of our permanent staff to have summer vacation or uh, the, the time off that they so desperately need um, you know we have our, our permanent staff that are working mandated overtime and and uh, double time and so on I would like to see that as part of the past as opposed to part of the future. The only way we can deal with that is, is to hire more permanent staff. I know it was a problem before COVID struck, and it seems like a million years ago now, doesn't it? But uh, are we making any progress at all on addressing the backlog in surgeries? We are. We've put a number of initiatives in place um, the in Carbonier and in St. Anthony, for example, we are opening up uh, the hip and joint replacement, uh, uh, hip and knee replacement, joint replacement uh, to lower the, the backlog uh, of surgeries. We've got um, a uh, an agreement with the Heart Institute uh, of Ottawa uh, to not only help 
here on the ground in Newfoundland and Labrador, but to allow patients from this province to travel uh, to lower the backlog in, in cardiac procedures. We've increased the number of out-of-hospital uh, cataract surgeries uh, to lower the backlog there. So those are just some examples of how we are, are looking at uh, we've got a committee put in place to look at surgical backlog and how we can improve uh, wait times in this province as well. And, and that committee is actively looking at and working on solutions. I'm told that one of the uh, the things that's sort of bogging the system down is a lack of beds in long-term care. People who should be in long-term care being held in hospitals and therefore there are no beds available for people who are entering the system anew. Um, so where are we in, in terms of uh, addressing long-term care needs in Newfoundland and Labrador? You're absolutely right, and that is one of the areas that we are, are solidly focused on. The There is a review uh, underway of personal, or about to start, of personal care homes and long-term care homes in the province. Part of that review will look at admission requirements, um, spousal admission, and, and other areas. Um, part of the challenge, again, is human resource, you know, having enough um, individuals working in our long-term care homes to ensure that all beds are open. Looking at uh, the admissions policies, whether somebody uh, is more appropriately um, cared for in a personal care home or in a long-term care home so that we can move individuals from acute care beds out into the appropriate care level uh, in the community, opening up the space in acute care beds there is a backlog of people waiting in acute care beds. Uh, it is very concerning to to me. It's concerning to government. If you are waiting for a personal care or a long-term care bed and you're, you're uh, occupying an acute care bed where you're not getting um, the social interaction, uh, you're not involved, for example, if it's a personal care home and, and the daily activities that our personal care homes are able to, to offer, uh, your condition is at risk of, of further deterioration waiting in an acute care bed. So it, it not only has the concern of the backlog, but it has the concern of where is the person best cared for, and oftentimes it would be a personal care home or long-term care home as opposed to using uh, or, or tying up an acute care bed in one of our acute care facilities. So that issue has to be addressed. Uh, part of that is the, the review of personal care homes and long-term care homes. Uh, part of it is, again, the admissions uh, guidelines and uh, uh, that will uh, those answers will be provided through that review uh, but we're also looking for for answers uh, within the uh, the system part of that is the hiring of additional staff to ensure that we have the full capacity of our long-term care homes available what's the need there now in terms of staffing well, we've got uh, some long-term care facilities are full. We have other long-term care facilities such as Pleasantville, which is a relatively new building um, that is not at full capacity simply because of staffing. Um, you look at, uh, you know, whether it's a personal care attendant or a, a practical nurse or registered nurse, we need additional uh, resources, human resources in, in these facilities. Uh, we we do have a, the 
mission um, that I talked about in India to try and, and ensure that we have our full complement. We have other missions that uh, we will be announcing in short order, uh, looking at uh, uh, practical nurses as well as physicians. Uh, we've announced uh, or, or well, it's it's public, the, the mission to Ireland. I guess there will be a formal announcement on that uh, uh, within the coming days, uh, you know, to, to give the full details of that mission. But we have other missions that are being planned and are in the works as well uh, for recruitment. Uh, we we need to focus not only nationally but internationally on ensuring we have the appropriate staffing uh, levels to fully utilize our long-term care homes um, as well as our, our uh, acute care facilities. We're also looking at uh, scopes of practice. Um, we have uh, announced recently physician assistance, which should help uh, with that. We've uh, directed hospitals, for example, uh, to use uh, surgical assistance uh, and to to expand on surgical assistance within the system, I know that we've increased the uh, or expanded the number of licensures through the College of Physicians and Surgeons um, of uh, the, you know the the different types of licenses that physicians can hold uh, within the province. We're looking at expanding the scope of practice in a number of areas. Um, whether it would be a scope of practice of our pharmacists in the province or scope of practice of registered nurses, for example. Uh, and part of the health accord, part of the plan for how we are able to improve the healthcare system in the province is having our healthcare professionals work to their full scope of practice. So all of these items are being worked on. They are part of the plan that we have to ensure the most efficient system, providing the best level of care to people in the province. We have uh, just over a minute left, and uh, the, you, in terms of that Irish mission, I was speaking to the Premier at length about that, uh, uh, but unfortunately it went uh, on the back burner of the public agenda at the time because of uh, Fiona, of course. So, um, yeah, we look forward to hearing some more details on that. Um, with uh, just about a minute left, any message to, um, you know, listeners who are, you know, concerned about the state of health care in Newfoundland and Labrador right now? Absolutely. So, you know, two messages that I'd like to put out first uh, and foremost to our healthcare professionals. Um, I know that many of you have been working extended hours. Many of you are tired. Um, you have lifted the load, and I want to thank you. I want to recognize that. Uh, I know you feel better about your jobs when you are able to do your jobs uh, without the worry of, of being mandated over time or without the pressures of being short-staffed within our, our healthcare facilities. So we are working on that uh, to help ease your burden. Uh, to the people of the province, we have a plan in place, um, the, the Health Accord NL, uh, the initiatives and the incentives that we've put in place, the increasing the scope of practice, uh, the collaborative community teams that we're putting in place. Uh, the healthcare system is in, in transition as we speak. And while we would all like to see the system fixed, the system has been broken. Uh, it has taken decades to get to where the system was 
but I know the Premier, uh, myself, our Cabinet, our government are working on uh, the plan to transition health care within this province. And in terms of the, the health accord, we are further ahead than many jurisdictions in the country. While it's hard to, to see that because the system is in such turmoil at the moment uh, and it will take time to fix the system, we are actively working on that and things are in motion. Health Minister Tom Osborne, I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, thank you very much and all the best now in 2023. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with your listeners. And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Do stay tuned for that. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy New Year.